Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. Find me online at nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. At my website, you are able to schedule sessions either remotely via phone, Skype, or FaceTime. You're also welcome to meet with me in person at my Los Angeles or New Orleans office locations. You can listen to archived episodes of this show at NOLA Therapy, and there are links to subscribe to this show via iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. I invite you to support my show through the campaign I have with Patreon. There's a link at NOLA Therapy. Additionally, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Lisa Tahir if you like what you have been hearing for almost the last two years. My guest today, I'm really delighted to speak with her. In just moments, I'll be bringing on Eileen Dillon. She is both a licensed clinical social worker and a marriage and family therapist who has practiced for over 40 years. And I'm really excited because she has practiced for twice as long as I have. So the depth of and breadth of wisdom that she brings to managing and mastering life problems and issues and emotions is just going to be really exciting today. If you're listening and want to visit her website, it is full of amazing and pertinent information. Her website is emotionalpro.com. And in addition to having a private practice in psychotherapy for over 40 years, Eileen has authored 16 books focused upon using our emotions as a guidance system. We're going to talk more about that today. She's known as a practitioner who uses psychotherapy with a spiritual-based approach. And in her career, she has been host to three radio programs, which it's hard enough doing one. So we're going to talk about all this Eileen, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to meet with us and welcome. It's my pleasure, Lisa. Thank you very much for asking you're, me. You're welcome. Where do you want to start today? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, well, <laughs> well, let me just uh, briefly talk about some of the things that I've done uh, because I'd really like to talk about what I'm in the process of doing and starting up. Um, I'll tell you that I'm 74 years old now, and um, and I I've gone through some major changes in the last 18 months, and I'm going on with my life and starting new things, which is an interesting uh, way of operating. As you're getting older, I decided that if I live a longer period of time, I'm in great health, I don't have any issues and so forth, uh, that I, you know, do I want to go in face first or would I like to go in standing up to the end of my life? And I decided I want to run in. And uh, so that's why I'm taking on new things. 
So the, the radio programs that I did, uh, a couple of them were with the Women's Information Network that Paula Fellingham started. And my friend Dakey Fox and I did a program that I absolutely loved. It was called Building Conscious Families. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, when I was a single parent for 20 years, I didn't have any family around. And uh, I didn't have anybody really involved in telling me how to parent my children. So I developed a transpersonally based approach to teaching, uh, to raising my children and teaching them that was largely focused on helping them to learn spiritual principles and to make good decisions. And it turned out to be so effective that I've actually taught it around the world. And it has to do with families and children being conscious in their lives. And so my friend Dakey, uh, who raised twin daughters using the method, and I uh, talked about that. I also did full power living for 13 years, which I did independently. And that was focused on helping people to understand the power and importance of emotions in life. Uh, I've come to see, as you mentioned right before the show, I've come to see that emotions are really the language of the universe. You know, we talk a lot about manifestation, for example, and emotions are really important in manifesting things because you have to feel what you're going to feel like when you have manifested whatever it is you wish to manifest in order for that to occur. So, uh, the language of the universe goes many, many different ways. We could probably talk three, three programs on that. Yes. And um, the the third program didn't last quite as long, uh, but it had to do with uh, instituting the spiritual principle in your life that, that you know that each of us is responsible for our own lives, that we create the lives that we live that if you give help that hasn't been asked for, it's not going to work. Those kinds of things that we talked about on that show. Is that the show Taking My Turn? Yes. Yes. You know, when when you were just mentioning, and before we came live, talking briefly about the role of emotions in directing our lives and creating our lives, I'm reminded of last night I was listening to some Abraham Hicks uh, videos and, and audio recordings, and they were speaking directly about this, about to be in the flow of life. It, it's directly tied into our emotions and what we're feeling and how that directs flow and blocks flow. And your work is really in, a, in alignment with that. And especially some of the new work that you're doing that we're going to talk about as you're reinventing yourself at 74, which is beautiful. Good. Yeah, it's, it's a... It's really um, true that that you need to be able to work with your emotions. You know, I was thinking today. I'm I'm in an RV and I'm traveling in on the uh, uh, in in the New England area basically for the next month or so. And as I was driving, I was thinking about. And it's going out of my head right now. I was thinking about something. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come back. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, ask me a question. Uh, I have to say that I'm a little bit tired because I've been driving for two days. So I apologize for my brain taking a little mini vacation right there. Oh, I mean, um, it's fine. I we don't have- remember what it was that I was going to say. Yeah, it's okay. We have plenty of time. I, I'm really curious. Before we came live, I, I said that I wanted to know from you and your experience what is helpful for people to know now in a time of very high emotions. And you mentioned to me about new work, emotional mastery for life. Can you talk to us right. about this new work and business that you're launching and creating? Yes. Um, well, I want to help as many people as I can find or as can find me to understand just how foundational emotions are and also to to know that working with emotions is not difficult. And now I remember what it was. I was thinking about EFT and tapping. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have these these new things that we can use to essentially disappear our emotions. Um, and to me, emotions are given to us. They're provided to us as tools to help us navigate our lives. And that means that if the, each emotion has a message for us, and if we tap it away or disappear it very quickly... We don't get the message. And so I was thinking about how important it is for people to know that you can get information from your emotions and then you can tap. There's nothing wrong with using emotional freedom techniques or whatever. I like them myself. But uh, to go directly there, you lose the depth of information. For example, each, each emotion has a message for you. Loneliness, for example, the signal of loneliness is that you have more emotion going out than coming in. Mm, I like so you that. Can be, you can be lonely in the middle of a crowd, you know, yes. or, or in a marriage, as I was once. Um, and we tend to, you know, struggle with emotion, but really all you have to do is find ways to bring energy back in, like uh, you can do something you have a talent at, you can take a walk out in nature, you can take a bubble bath, you can get a massage, uh, you can read something that has great meaning for you, and that'll bring energy back in and you'll stop feeling lonely. Mm -hmm. So to know these things, to know what the signals of each emotion, love, the signal of love, Lisa, give me a guess on what the signal of love is. What does love tell you to do? Love tells you to to um, give, to to be of service, to to. And in order to do that, you have to come closer with people mm-hmm. to connect. So that's the way that's the way I see the message of of love. Come closer. Yeah. Okay. So every emotion has a message, and our emotions are on duty twenty four seven doing their best to point out what we need to pay attention to, what changes we need to make, what new directions we need to go so that our lives flow and work well for us. So when you ask the question, you know, what do we need to know for now? We need to know that our emotions are waiting for us to partner with them. They want us to say, oh, 
Okay, loneliness, you're there. Oh, you want me to take more energy in. Okay, I can do that and go do it, you know. Or anger signals us to change the very fixed ideas we have in our brains so that uh, we're not um, so rigid that things anger us. Yes. And on and on and on, these various emotions, they're waiting for us to partner with them. And uh, when we do, we learn, we develop our wisdom, we gain in strength. Let me tell you, um, my husband died 18 months ago. I'm so sorry. I have, since that time, uh, thank you. Yes. Um, he, he had cancer. He was sick for five years and uh, he made the choice to leave finally. So I, I'm, I was in a good place with it. But yeah. I used everything I know about emotions during that time, and they work very nicely. Since that time, I've sold my, cleaned out and sold my home. I've bought an RV. I've ended my uh, time in my practice office for psychotherapy in California, and I've taken off for parts unknown, and I'm currently on about a six-week trip to take me through uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, New York, and out to the Maritimes, Nova Scotia, and New Brunswick. And I don't, you know, in a week, I don't know what I'm doing. But wow. Emotionally. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and last night I ended up staying in a place that I thought was an RV park, but it turned out the only person staying there was me. <laughs> <laughs> And I could have been scared and I could have felt lonely, but I didn't. I felt fine because my emotions and I partnered together. So uh, it's the, what we need to know is that our emotions are there to help us and to be with us. And nothing. there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing really to be angry about or to be... Uh, to be worried about any of those things that people do. I don't do worry, fear, uh, um, manipulation, uh, shame. I don't do those things anymore. They're a waste of time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't help anybody. It sounds like my sense of where you're at right now is, is, is really feeling free. Is that accurate? How this is for you emotionally yes. right now in your life? Yes. Yes. I definitely am, and it's really nice. It's ultimately, and a lot of uh, women, uh, as you listen to me talk, will relate to this, I'm sure. This is the first time in my adult life that I haven't been responsible for taking care of somebody else. Yes. Right. So it's, a, it's true freedom. <laughs> Personally and professionally, because working with clients... Yeah. And I, I know you said you still do some phone and Skype sessions with yes. people in California in your practice, yet having a full clinical practice is, is uh, for me, like being a parent in a way and dealing with people's needs yes. and wants and managing them and, and balancing one's own life. So congratulations and selling your home and getting out there on the road. Yeah, oh, I got a, I had a lot of help, and, and I'm very grateful. I'm also grateful to myself that I learned to receive help. There's one more thing that I think really, uh, well, maybe two, 
I'm still uh, dealing with the question you asked. Um, having people manipulate one another is uh, really takes up a lot of our energy and time and is destructive. And I, I don't have to tell people who are listening that there's a lot of manipulation going on, say, just on a political level or, yes. uh, uh, you know, at this, at this time. And uh, one of the best things that I ever did was to study how people manipulate one another and figure it out and, uh, and stop manipulating myself. The, the key to not being manipulated is to stop manipulating yourself. Can you tell us more uh, about what you mean? Well, um, I believe that everybody is born manipulative. Okay. And that we human beings are designed to grow out of it, just like we're designed to grow out of bedwetting. Mm -hmm. We're born manipulative because our body and brain are not sufficiently developed when we're first here on the planet to, uh, to take care of ourselves, to make our own way in the world. So we have to have an agent. That agent is usually a parent. So that everything an infant needs or wants in the world he, to, he or she has to go through a parent to get it. And therefore, you need to stay connected to that person. And we have research that shows that babies that aren't connected to an agent die. Yes, so, attachment. Yep. So what happens is as we begin to grow up, children move toward wanting to be more independent. And when they're maybe three years old, they're not together enough to be independent, but they're still saying, two-year-olds will say, me do it myself. Yes. But by the time you're three, three and a half, four years old, you can get your own glass of water, you can pull the covers up over you, etc., etc. And from that moment, you start putting more of your energy through yourself and taking care of yourself and creating your own life and putting less and less through other people, namely parents. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, most parents don't understand that children need help in making this transition of putting energy through themselves instead of through an agent. Yes. And so children are not helped with this. And what happens then is they grow up, they grow their bodies up, but emotionally they're still operating like a three or four year old child who needs believes they need to have other people in their lives and I uh, don't hesitate to mention that I believe we have a stellar example of this in the White House right now. Right. Um, so, yeah. so, um, so usually we take responsibility for certain parts of our lives and don't take responsibility for other parts so that we have like pockets of manipulation and it's ending that manipulation, ending the, need, the feeling that you need to have somebody else in your life in order to be okay. Instead, right. you want to go to, you want somebody else in your life, but if they can't be there, you know you're going to be okay. That's growing out of manipulation. And I think that a lot of the ills, the um, addictions, whatever, uh, all of those are, are related to 
energy draining, uh, codependence, manipulation, and it's time for us to grow out of it. What I hear you saying, Eileen, it, it's a disharmony between our, our self, our true self, and what we need, that there are these beliefs we have been indoctrinated with in our culture about about manipulating, needing others, using power and force to get those things and people instead of self-directing and using love. I know in your work, you you write a lot about love as a foundation for human relationships and you do intuitive work. Can you share with our listeners about, about some of that? Yeah, I just want to make one comment about, you mentioned the word power. We have a misconception about what power is. We think power is having power over other people. But in my learning, power is really about having charge of myself. I agree. And so, uh, yes, we want, but, but in manipulation, you're doing power over others, trying to get others, people to be in a certain position so that you can get what it is you believe you need from them. So, uh, Love is, and this ties in with the language of the universe also, love is the, the I don't know, the substance of our universe. Mm-hmm. And as we, as we connect more with it, we are more filled with love. And when we look at everything through the lens of love the best we can, Things work out so much better. When my husband Bob was ill and dying, for example, he went from being a very powerful neurosurgeon to being a very needy person who was ill. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he would say to me, "If I, say I'm going to take the dog out for 10 minutes so the dog can do her business, he'll, Are you, do you have your phone? Are you coming right back? Don't take too long kind of thing. And it was irritating to me to have to go through that every time I left the house. Right. And how did I, how did I work with it? I went, okay, Eileen, what's the most loving way I can deal with this? How can I be loving through this? Even though it's irritating to me, what can I do? Like what's right about this? Well, what's right about it is that my husband knows I care about him and that I will take care of him and that he can ask me for what he wants and he can share his fears with me. And focusing on that, then he stopped being irritating in, yes. in, inside of me. You got control of your reacting and shifted to responding and really tuning in to what is going on and what is needed. And like you said, what would love do is how I'm imagining the way you were thinking and then responded from that place. Yes. And think the, the, the power, of course, a lot of people are writing, uh, Matt Kahn comes to mind, uh, yeah. whatever happens, love that. Yes. Um, a lot of people are, are focusing on this now. However, um, there, things are falling apart in our culture. And I, I want to say a word about that. Please. I don't know, uh, I don't know what, if you see it this way, Lisa, but as a psychotherapist for 45 years, one of the things that became abundantly clear to me is that if a person, an individual person was going to make major change, they fell apart first. 
Yeah. And once they fall apart, then there's a little empty period and then they can rebuild in new ways. Yes. Well, these are potentially scary times in our country, in the U.S. Um, And yet, I think that before our country, before we all can change, we have to fall apart. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go on record being grateful to Mr. Trump because I think he's doing a heck of a wonderful job helping us to fall apart. Truly. And we need to do that. Okay? Yes. And we need to do that. So I think these are not yeah. times. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, you first. And then I'll, then I'll add in. These are not times. Well, these are not times for us to be focusing on being afraid that everything is falling apart. These are times for us to be focusing on where we want to go. What do we want to do instead? When this breaking apart time is over, what do we want things to be like? And start building them now. The sign-off on my radio program was pay attention not to what you want to overcome, but to what you want to become. That's what we need to be doing now. I agree 100%. And what I was thinking to share with, with listeners and with you is that in my experience, this time that we are going through is truly a time to get clear about what is important to us. And I'll speak to listeners, get in touch with what is truly important to you in your life personally, professionally, with your loved ones to really become clear about who you're spending time with and why and who you're not and to take the necessary time. I utilize meditation in my life daily. I encourage my clients and the clients I'm attracting are are clients that are going within, that are willing to dismantle everything, their thought systems, beliefs. There is no stone I have not overturned personally in my life and and I'm attracting clients that are engaged in that same process as Pema Chodron talks about in her book when things fall apart it's it's the time where we can really rebuild ourselves into who we want to be truly and I believe that is in alignment with a spiritual path and a and a spiritual kind of guidelines guideline of how to treat others and yourself and so I am writing a book even right now about core wounding and 12 specific areas of core wounding and healing. And um, I just think it's a powerful time. The energy of the universe is supporting us in this falling apart that I use in air quotes because it's really, I think, a falling together, falling in place. Oh, and nice. Nice. Yeah. So it's in, I'm in resonance with what you're sharing and working on now and that you've been putting out throughout your 40-year career. Right. Well, so I'd like to amplify something that you said. You talked about the clients you're attracting. And no doubt you've talked about this on the program before, but I really would like to emphasize that if you have people in your life that you're not happy with or that drain your energy or that you feel you give way too much to or they're demanding or anything like that, you it, most of us, have learned that we need to see if we can get them to change. And that is not what needs to be done. Exactly. What needs to be done is we need to change. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a story about my husband, the the neurosurgeon. I married him when I was 57 years old, right? Okay. And the first year I was married to him, I thought that man was the most self-centered man I'd ever met in my life. 
<laughs> I found myself scurrying around doing things for him. He was constantly telling me what he wanted. He did the things that he wanted to do. I had to ask him to do things for me because he was very busy with his own things. But I began to watch him. And what I realized is from the earliest days of his life, he had been at the center. He was at the center for his mother. He moved from his mother's house to his first marriage. Uh, his wife died. He moved to another marriage. He was a neurosurgeon. Everybody in the operating room waited for him to show up and things could only get started. So on an energy level, what I realized is that he had a glowing, strong energy vortex inside of him. He wasn't being self-centered. He just was used to operating the way things worked best for him to the extent that he had this incredibly intensely strong vortex going round and round and round inside of him. Yeah. And so I decided that the deal was he was there to teach me how to create a vortex like that inside of myself. And that's what that? I started to do. How did you do that, Eileen? I, well, I started focusing more on me, some of what you've been saying. What do I really want? What's important to me? Uh, do I need to do this for other people? Where am I going with my life? How am I feeling about this right now? And following the things that were right for me without apology, without uh, cutting back at all. And uh, he was such a wonderful, good model. You know, that helped me a whole lot because he didn't deviate. And how did he respond to you making these shifts, Eileen? He, um, he liked me better. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, because, you know, when you're brilliant and top of the heap, usually you have trouble finding people that are your equal. Yeah. And what I found, and this is really interesting, Lisa, you know, this man had a, a profoundly uh, effective brain. I mean, he knew every system and how it worked in the human body. Uh, he was a musician. He was a, a prodigy on the piano. Uh, it just His brain was just not to be stopped. And it was kind of daunting when I first met him. And then I thought to myself, wait a minute, what's important to me? Emotion. So I stayed with my emotions. What yes. do I want to do? What's most important to me? And what I found out is that my emotions were equal in power to his brain. I actually hear him saying that right now as you were talking, that he was <laughs> saying to me that you were just as brilliant in a different area that brought compliment to both of you. Right. And so we, we helped each other in that way. He helped me uh, strengthen my brain. I helped him strengthen his, his emotions. So uh, let me, may I go to what I'm doing now? Since yeah, I'm I'd love to hear. Share, please. Okay. Um, well, I'm so interested in sharing what I've learned about emotions that I have a new business. It's called Emotional Mastery for Life. And that's my new website, all spelled out, emotionalmasteryforlife.com. And what I want to do is share with people the importance of mastering your emotions as opposed to managing them. 
And so to understand what I, what I mean by that, if, if I were to deliver to you a herd of wild horses, you could break them. You could do the various things and break them. Or mm-hmm. you could act as a horse whisperer and you could get in charge of them by gentling them. Yes. Right? So emotional mastery is more like being a horse whisperer. And it has to do with getting in charge of ourselves and the emotions that come up in us. I advise people not to say they're my emotions because some of them we really don't want to keep. But the emotions that come up in us, to be in charge of them and not allow emotions to run us, not allow jealousy, like the the man who uh, killed Heather uh, in Charlottesville. Yes, his yes. emotions let, let they got out away from him, right? He did something, did. you know. Yeah, yeah. So they got away from him. They were running him instead of him being in charge of himself. And so. We have the opportunity in this lifetime. I see the earth as a big giant school. We've all come here in order to learn. And so the more I learn about how to be the master of the emotions, I am a recovered angry person. Tell us what you mean by that. It's hard to imagine sitting with you right now talking. (laughs) Well, I was furious. I had a very rough childhood. I lost my birth mother when I was just, under three, uh, I was taken away from her. I was lived in boarding schools. My father was in the military. I was sexually in other ways abused. I, I had a really tough childhood, uh, which as in, in the Earth as Giant School concept, I had a lot of learning to do. That's the way Absolutely. I would look at it. Um, and so by the time I gr- grew up, I was angry. I was really angry. I felt gypped and messed over and so forth. And then uh, I got married at 19 and by the time, and my husband and I agreed to have a child together. We conceived her. I gave birth to her. When she was five months old, he came home and said he wasn't ready to be a father. And by the time she was 10 months old, he was gone. Right. Wow. So I was furious. I was, and I began to see, I'm a single parent. I began to see that the anger inside of me was damaging to my child. And I went to the School of Social Work library at the University of California in Berkeley in the early 70s to try to find some information about how to deal with anger. And I couldn't find any. Therapists weren't really taught specifically how to deal with individual emotions. Nobody ever taught me, uh, you know, this is what is the universal cause of anger and uh, this is, uh, you know, whether you can get rid of it or not. You don't learn. I didn't learn those things. So I began to uh, figure it out for myself until Mm -hmm. I got to the point where I have released, you can't get rid of any emotion, but I've released enough of the individual angers that I was carrying that I'm now peaceful. I did a similar thing with fear when I turned 50. So 24 years ago, I figured out a method for dealing with fear that literally has left me fearless. 
How can listeners in, learn in, about your methods? This one specifically <laughs> in dealing with fear. Well, I am doing some mentoring programs which uh, are listed on my website, emotionalmasteryforlife.com. And if you go there, um, there's a guidebook. Uh, it's about a 15 or 20 page guidebook uh, that you can download and it'll give you a lot of the basics about emotions. And then I have a three tier uh, mentoring program and you can see which one might um, best suit you. Um, I see. Great. I have a basic level. Yeah. So, so those are the things that I'm doing right now. And I'm also available for individual coaching. Uh, and there's a contact form um, on the website that you can fill out and it'll get in, you know, come to me immediately and we can set up a uh, time to talk. Uh, anybody who fills out the, the um, questionnaire that I have there, I offer a 30-minute free phone consultation to identify what areas of emotion uh, a particular person needs to work on and, and, uh, and give you a couple of tools uh, so there's a benefit without you having to spend any money. Oh, that's awesome. Can we go back for a moment yeah. to, before you were speaking of fear and, and, and mastering mm -hmm. that at age 50, you spoke about anger. And when you were speaking about anger and how you came to terms with putting to rest the way that you were angry as a younger person, I thought, I think of the notion of forgiveness. And I imagine you did a lot of, of work around forgiveness. And can you speak to us about I, that? I absolutely did. Um, the most powerful bit of forgiveness, to me, forgiveness is letting go. Mm -hmm. And the, my abuser was my father. And I was angry with my father for years. And it finally occurred to me that since anger, really uh, anger destroys your self-esteem, it can make you physically ill. If you hold on to it long enough, it can kill you. It does terrible things to you. I realized that by holding on to my anger, to the anger that I had, that my father was actually getting me twice. Yeah. He... I was angry for the first time and I was angry afterwards after he had long forgotten it. Right. Yes. Yes. So I, I came, I, I was helped and I came to the conclusion that I needed to forgive my father in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. I, I figured if, if we have more than one lifetime, I sure as heck don't want to go through this stuff again. <laughs> so, right. I waited, waited for an opportunity to forgive my father. Now, my father in the late 80s got cancer. And it wasn't, I didn't feel right for me to go and be with him in person, but I talked with him on the phone. And yeah. I told him, first of all, that I forgave him. I told him, I, I forgive you for everything you've done or said to me. And I want to know if you will accept my forgiveness. That's powerful. And he said, he said, yes. And then I said, will you forgive me? Because I've been angry with him. Will you forgive me for all I've said and done that's been painful for you? And he said, yes. And I was then able to say to him, thank you for being my father in this lifetime. Oh, wow. What did he say? He said, 
he said, I love you. I mm. think. Yeah. It, it was so powerful that when I went to his funeral, there are four kids in my family, the other three adult children were crying. And I was not. And my older sister came up to me and said, you know, what's the matter with you? Don't be such a therapist. Cry. And uh, I said, I don't have any tears. I'm finished. You were at peace with him. I was at peace. Yes. And he was at peace with me. I didn't have any leftover anything. That's beautiful and so, so that's important. Those are the kinds of things I want to help other people to get to. Because, uh, you know, when I look back on my life at all the misery that went on in my life and how hard I had to work to get out of it and everything, and now I look back and realize actually working with emotions is quite simple. But if you don't know how to do it, 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 it seems awful, you know? But yeah. mostly you have to recognize that you have emotions. They're part of us. They're given to us as tools. They're really a gift. And once you learn how to work with them, then you can start releasing, releasing, releasing and uh, working with them and learning from them. And it gets to be really quite, uh, quite a fun thing to do. And I think it's important for listeners to know that it's never too late to do this. Whatever age you are, whatever Amen. stage of your life, it is never too late. You know, what's really nice, to amplify that, what's really nice right now with the help of all the changes that are going on in the universe is that it took me 40 or 50 years to get to it, but people I know are doing it in four or five years now or less because we've got even more help. We've got amplified energy now. Yes, I like that. I like you saying that. That the energies that be are helping and aiding, aiding and assisting in our recovery and healing so that we can be of service. Yes, exactly. And that's why we want to be loving, too. Now, let me just put one more thing in about love. Yeah. Uh, from Lazarus, years ago, I learned that love is love is love. And what's meant by that is that it doesn't matter if I'm loving myself or I'm loving somebody else. What matters is that I choose to be loving and to be loved. And so a lot of times people chastise themselves for putting themselves first or for loving themselves. You know, I had to bring my husband Bob here again. Yeah. I had a big dis disagreement one time and he said to me, why can't you just love me for exactly who I am? Why why can't you do things the way I want you to do them? And I said to him, look, I have a choice. And my choice is in this, that I either love you more than I love myself, or I love myself more than I love you. And what I've learned is that if I love you more than I love myself, this relationship isn't going to work. Mm. So I have to love myself the most. What did Bob say? He wasn't happy with it, but he couldn't argue with it. He, he, saw the, he saw the wisdom in it. And that's, I think, the growth and, edge you, you gave each other, you saying that to yes. him and, and him receiving it. Yes. 
Well, he, he, uh, it, it ended our disagreement. It ended our disagreement because it was like bedrock. Bedrock yeah. is, you know, and when I loved myself, by the way, I had more ability to um, go with what was right for him. I had more ability because first I fed myself and then I could feed him. Just like on the airline, I know that's such a hackneyed story now, but, you know, put your your mask on for oxygen before you put it on somebody else, put it on yourself. Uh, it's the same thing. Love yourself first and you cannot go wrong. I'm now convinced that that's one of the key things that we really need to support in our children is to love themselves, not to be selfish, but to love themselves, to uh, be gentle with themselves when they make mistakes, to forgive themselves and realize that they're learning. Those kinds of things really, really important. And and I, I agree. And I think that the, the image of putting on one's oxygen mask first and then assisting others is so important at this time in our development and in our beingness. Because I think loving oneself can be an act as simple as giving a homeless person a bottle of water at at a stoplight in the hot summer right now of New Orleans or Los Angeles. I think loving oneself can be a simple act, seeing someone in need, which is just a reflection of ourselves in need. And so I think it can be quite simple in how we love ourselves in in all kinds of ways, through kindness, through generosity, Mm -hmm. through... um, you know, yoga, through prayer, through listening. It's things that are free often. Yes. And, and, you know, interestingly, the life that I'm living right now um, is one in which I'm loving myself uh, because I'm not living up to anybody else's expectations of me. And every day I get up and say, what do I want to do today? What's important to me? How do I want to serve today? And I How does that feel? The universe. Oh, it feels wonderful. And I can ask the universe or God to, to bring to me what I need to learn in that day. You know what's hitting me here in the East, because I've lived in California for many years. California is very beautiful. But yeah. the other day I was driving through the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia and it was so beautiful. I just burst into tears. Mm. It was so wonderful to be in that beauty. Yes. And you were connecting with spirit in that moment and just feeling it, letting, yes. it, letting experience flow through you. Yes. So, Eileen, what would yes. you like to leave our listeners with? We have a few more minutes. Uh, we have about three more minutes. What? what would you like to leave? I've just really enjoyed listening to you. I feel like if there's just so much wisdom, I wanted to, to listen more than talk today. And I, I just really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, well, I mentioned teaching children to love themselves, but ultimately uh, we are the leaders. If you have children or grandchildren, you, uh, the real uh, task for now is to love yourself. And uh, to connect, as you've brought up many times, Lisa, to connect with that which is larger. Uh, My daughter and her family, I was staying at their place and they asked me to house it for them a couple of weeks ago while they went on a trip to Mexico. And as I was driving back from the airport where I dropped them off, knowing that I was going to be totally alone for 10 days, I started to feel lonely. 
Mm. And I remembered, you know, what the thing was. But then I said, you know, okay, I need to take some energy back in. And then I remembered something I'd been told, that we are never alone. And I said that out loud. I said, Eileen, you know, you are never alone. And this immediate peace came over me. And I had a wonderful time during that 10 days. I never felt lonely again. And that's the way I'd like everybody to be able to work with themselves. When something comes up, you say, okay, what, what do I need to learn here? What can I learn? What can I give to myself? What can I ask for? What can I accept from my universe? How can I use this to connect with that which is larger and bring ourselves through it? In, here on the earth, in order to get beyond something, you need to go through it. And right. so finding ways to go through the emotion doesn't have to take long. That didn't take me more than about three minutes. But it pulled me right out and took me to a new place. To remind yourself, I am never alone, and to say that out loud. I love it. Right. Nobody, none of us is ever alone. And You're not. That's really... Yeah, it's really important to remember. And this is quite a challenge for me. I'm in this little RV. I do have an eight-pound dog, my lovely little Maltipoo with me. Oh, sweetness. Basically, yeah, basically I'm alone, moving around and camping and meeting people and so forth. And I'm choosing to make that a great adventure. And so far it has been. Uh, uh, rather than a chore or something terrible. And that's, yeah. uh, you know, I would love it if all of us, everybody within the reach of my voice would do that in their lives. If you would do that in your life to just whatever it is, how can I make this good for me? What's right about what's happening right now? That's the key. And to our listeners, if you're having a hard time with that, there are so many resources on both of Eileen's websites. The The first one that I mentioned when we started the show is EmotionalPro.com. And the second one is EmotionalMasteryForLife.com. And if you are struggling because you are feeling alone, I imagine someone saying, easy for you to say, that we're not alone. And, and I understand, and I used to be in that place myself. So reach out to Eileen's websites and materials and to other healing practitioners that are a voice of, of helping you not feel so alone until you're able to get there yourself. That's great. Let me just mention that on the Emotional Pro, the landing page for Emotional Pro, uh, there's a list of seven everyday emotions and the signal that they offer to us that listeners might be interested that's free just land there and, oh thank you for and, sharing uh, that yeah Eileen thank you for being with me and with our listeners today I will email you this show later on and just I love you and thank you for everything you've done <laughs> over the last 40 years oh, and counting thank you. I, I really have enjoyed visiting with you today Lisa thank you again you're so welcome take care all right bye bye Bye. That concludes our show for today. Please join next week at the same time. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. Bye-bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir.